This isn't just beer. This is beer longing. Every month we're talking about beer and beer culture. This is Beer Longing. I'm Steve and as always I'm joined by my co-hosts Mark and Rob. Welcome gentlemen. Hiya. Good evening everybody. How are you both doing this month? Very well. Very well indeed. Super. And I've got a day off tomorrow so <laughs> we can get into this and have some tasty beers without me needing to be up in three hours. <laughs> I I am very much looking forward to my beer lineup this month. Uh, I've already got the first one in the glass, so we should probably just jump straight into this this first part of the show, which is where we send each other a beer. From the shelves, from the shelves, from the shelves. And I'm going to talk about mine first, because this is a really tasty drop that Rob has sent to me. This is Cairngorm Gold. It's a golden continental style beer, 4.5%. Uh, and what makes it continental? Uh, it's got Saz hops and uh, Styrian Bobek hops to provide late aromas. And it is uh, a really tasty drop. It's uh, quite fresh, quite grassy, but then there's almost like a soft, almost, almost like vanilla creaminess to the end of it. And it just it just all balances out really really nicely, and actually it works really really well. I'm intrigued as to why you chose to send me this though, Rob. Um, as simple as the fact that I've just been on holiday to the Cairngorms and I bought myself about eight or nine bottles of that, and I, and so I decided to uh, share with you. And I um kind of just. Picked the bottles up because it said Cairngorm on it and enjoyed them all the week and then read on perhaps the last day that it was um, a lager-style ale. And I, I, was, I was on holiday. I hadn't thought about it at all. So, I don't know. It's just an, an interesting beer that perhaps I didn't expect to find from a relatively small brewery in the Highlands. Mm. It's, it's a tasty job. It, it, it really is. And I, I, assuming you drank probably a lot of this on draft then or, or was it just from bottles that you were just drinking bottles it? I was mine I didn't really I think I went to like one pub when I was in the Highlands and it was very much a locals pub with Sky Sports on the outside and I had a can of McEwen's export so I was literally just picked up a load of bottles to drink at the cottage and and literally just bottles of that as well and then um Picked up some bottles of that and some bottles from Orkney Brewery of um of a dark one that I sent you as well, which I've completely forgot what it's called. <laughs> it's called Dark Island, Dark Owl, Dark Island, yeah. Um, which I enjoyed while uh we were just chatting with this month's guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, another tasty job, thank you very much. So, uh, so t- two beers I didn't have to think that much about, but I just thoroughly enjoyed and it just made all the difference. It's like we talked to Danny about last month. It's just beers that you don't have to think about and you can just enjoy without 
obsessing about it and just enjoy the surroundings you're in. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to bring a bit of that to you. Thank you very much. I'm I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really glad you, you chose to share that with me. Marcus sent me a beer this month, and it's from Siren and Five Points, and it's their Decades Barley Wine. And it's a, it's a sensible strength barley wine at 10%. And I tell you what, I've uh, been working on this for the last few minutes now, and it is absolutely delightful. It is a lovely drop. It's, now, I'm, I'm afraid to say it's that... It's so I, easy drinking as well. I've bought you a beer there that I've not actually tried myself, which um, is now the second month in a row. But, you know, I was... Putting in an order with Siren, saw that on the website, thought that sounds delicious. I'm going to treat Rob to this rather than get it myself. It doesn't drink at 10% at all. It feels like, I don't know, I'd happily just drink a pint of this. Probably realise after that point that it was 10%. Does it feel, I mean, it's not always It's not always easy to to tell, but would you, does it feel more of the English style barley wine or the American style? Uh, English to me. Let's. Oh, hang on. What's definitely? I'd say English. It's got. Yeah. Okay. So it uses a uh, heritage Chevalier and Hannah varieties of barley. Uh, what hops has it got? I don't think it tells me, but to me, it definitely is more in fitting with the English style of barley wine than than the American one. It's. Um, as I say, it's very easy drinking. There's not like loads of bitterness. It's just nice and warm. And there's plenty of like, dark fruit flavors. Um, maybe even like a slight like caramel sort of thing going on. Well, I thought it'd be good because Siren Siren have done some excellent barley wines mm -hmm. in the time, and five points have is it old, old Greg? Greg? Yeah, mm. the famous one that's. Um... That's, oh, I mean, yeah. always superb. I've not had it for a few years now, but nor if I actually. That's a good. Point. It was always an old favorite, and that was very much an English style one. So mm. I thought if they were doing a collaboration, it'd be along those those lines. Yeah, this is. I tell you what, it's getting. It, it, I I did um, have it in the fridge, so I, as it's warming up a bit as well, I think it it definitely is one that you don't want to drink completely fridge cold. Yeah, I'm wondering about mm. that mm. with my own because um, I meant to take mine out a bit earlier because uh, Steve has sent me a big beer as well, the biggest of the lot. <laughs> He's yeah, I, me... I, I kind of forgot about that when I sent that it's the first beer for the show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, sometimes it's easy to forget on this round. Um, you've sent me S43 Brewery. Previously known as Sonic Forty Three, as I remember, which is the DCLXVI, which is six 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 in Roman numerals, and is a barrel aged smoked Russian Imperial Stout. I wonder why you thought of me. And it's also bottled seventy six out of five hundred and twenty. And there's not much else on the late, and because I like to. Um, get my beers out just before we record so it's a bit, still a bit of a surprise even though I've had this for a week since she sent it to me I've not done any further research and there's none on the label so apart from the smoked element what made you send me what made you send this to me uh 
Be- because it was smoked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was. To, to I'll be completely honest. It was on offer in two brews. Uh, Paul was selling uh, a few bottles of it off because it had passed its best before date. Now, obviously, we know with a beer of that style, um, that shouldn't really affect it too much. But obviously, from a bottle shop point of view, they can't continue to be seen to be selling it if it's past its best before date at, at full price. Um, so but I saw it and I was like, that's got Mark's name written all over it. That's got to be, that's got to be for one of our, got to be for one of our winter season shows the December show felt about right. Um, it had, I think, if I remember rightly, it had an attempt, uh, a wax seal on it as as, as well. Did, as, yes, an attempt, quite a poor attempt. The, the, there's wax all the way down the bottle, but there was very little around <laughs> yeah. the actual lid itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it was it was simply the words uh, "imperial barrel aged and smoked" that uh, was was what attracted me to it for you. Well, I've just um, I found the best before date, which was April twenty twenty two, but it was only bottled in March twenty twenty one. So they only put a year on it for such a strong beer, which is unusual. And I was also thinking before I actually tell you what it tastes like, but I think S forty three went under or closed rather. I don't want to use the wrong terminology. Now. Possibly late last year as well. So did, did did they and then were they one of those that then came back? I that's what I'm was wondering. That's why the internet is saying that it's going to open at nine a.m. on Tuesday. <laughs> well, reopen oh, or just oh, no, that, no? That's weird. Actually, it says closed every day of the week except for Tuesday. So I, well, I did. I did have a quick glance at their Twitter page, and that hasn't tweeted since last year. Um, yeah, I think they and, just haven't updated Google properly. Don't so I didn't know whether so they, they have possibly closed as well. Um, it's an interesting because they were a brewery you see a lot of in the buffet bar when they were Sonic 43 and then they shortened to S43 to be a bit cooler and just started doing a lot of milkshake IPAs, which were all utterly dreadful. Um, because they're, they're based in Durham, um, but on the plus side. This is very, very nice. Um, a bit, what I say, lacking in smoke. It's because it also doesn't say what barrel it's been aged in, but I would hazard, I'd be, I'm about 80% sure it's a bourbon barrel, uh, by, by the taste of it. Deliciously smooth, usual notes of vanilla, etc. Maybe not as strong on the smoke as I would like, but very, very easy to drink. So this is probably the best beer I've ever had by them. And I don't know whether, whether I, I've got a feeling they were one of those where somebody else took on the premises and brand. Um, but I'm, unfortunately, I'm not 100% sure. I've I've just found a, a, a blog um, from beerbore.com uh, entitled S43, What the Fuck is Going On? And, and this was written last December, um, and it would appear that uh, their kit and potentially IP has been sold to our old friends at Vox Brewery, who, who are now... <laughs> oh, well, they are in that part of the world, so that would make sense. Who are now sense. potentially brewing maybe some of their beers under contract, under name, or not at all. 
Um, but even even this blog doesn't seem to really have found out what was going on, even, in, despite the title of it. Instagram, their last post was in uh, March of this year, and it's just advertising one of their beers. So maybe mm-hmm. they did start brewing it at Vox and then lose interest. Ghost, ghost Brewery or a dead brewery, it's one of the two. Hmm. Mm. So unfortunately, anyway. lacking in smoke though, Mark, which is a which is a shame. But I'm I'm sure you'll rectify that shortly. <laughs> Hopefully so. <laughs> while, while we enjoy these first beers, then let's have a roundup of what we've been up to this month. Mark, would you like to start us off? Um, yeah, I can do. Yes, whatever. I mean, it was a, such a busy September, October. I did have to take it a bit easier this month. Other things going on. Don't need to bore you there. So, apart from a couple of local days out, trips to the football, um, I ventured into Manchester for the first time since Indie Man, and took in their two newest bars whilst I was there, which is the Victoria Tap of Victoria Station, which is part of the ongoing Pivney Pivavar, which whichever um association it is, you know, Sheffield, York, Harrogate, etc. Euston Taps. Still waiting for the Birmingham one. Been talking about Still, it. Yeah. Neck uh, I, I, and God that that station is crying out for one. Um <laughs> It's really small, but then I had to remind myself, I was like, square footage, is it smaller than Houston? Probably not. So they're used to small spaces. I don't know why. I just, it felt small. I don't know why I would expect it any bigger in the space that it's in at the end of Victoria Station. Great huge beer list for um, where it is, but... Just a bit, it's, it, I think it's because it's so narrow. Euston, even though it's so small, just has that because of that um, letter C layout that it's got somehow yeah. you you don't ever feel cramped in there. But I did feel very cramped in the Victoria Tap. Um, and as far as I could tell, there was a huge bloody great beer board of like. 22 kegs or something but they hadn't put the cask offerings on the board so that was really annoying Mm. so i didn't i didn't love it but it's convenient and useful and the other place i went to was more islands newish which has been mentioned on this podcast before when it was due to open pomona islands oh northwestern northwestward northwestward ho which is named after a ship i believe um or, or a bloody big barge, anyway, is... <laughs> and I had seen the reviews coming in prior to me going of, it's so satisfying that they've made, made it feel like a pub rather than a bar. This could be my new go-to pub place in the centre of town. It's so homely. Well, I went on a Saturday afternoon and didn't get any of that whatsoever. It's a bar in the most central office naff part of Manchester and was just full of the most revolting people that I don't want to be around on. And it was so busy and, and the the free for all at the bar 
almost made me wish there was a queue system. <laughs> because, <laughs> because when I when I talk, complain about queues in pubs, I would say, but where where are you going these days? Where you when people say, oh, there's you know you're fighting at the bar and stuff. It's like where where are you going now in your thirties or your forties or your fifties where you're having to fight at the bar. I've not had to do that since I was 19 in Fifth Avenue. <laughs> Where are you going? Well, I had to do it at North Westwood Hole. It sounds a, like the Saturday afternoon. Saturday. Yeah. Oh, and and then when I eventually did get served, and we were stood at the end of the bar, looking oh, the end of the, not like stood at the bar, but this corner bit at the end of the bar that was out of the way, and just surveying, I was like. There is nothing about this place that makes me feel pubby and homely. Haven't I have the, no idea what people were going on about. Haven't they painted the walls like white or something? It's white and gold. Yeah, I, I know they've got like the the nice looking tables, but when, when I saw the pictures, I thought, yeah, that's cool, but it just looks really sterile with the the wall choice. Yeah, mm. so that's all the reviews I've seen is oh, it's so nice that they've tried to make it feel like a pub. And there's no evidence of that for me my, at all. I will my, say that most other reviews have come from like a Wednesday afternoon, mm. and I was obviously there at peak time. But ultimately, I don't know, well, you know, I'll definitely give it another chance. Yeah, it's like you know, I, the the Colmore in Birmingham. I just absolutely hate going there on a Saturday. Whereas if I pop in in the week, I always have a really nice time. So maybe yeah. it's one of those, and that's in well, the financial uh, districts as well. That just gets full of. Nobbeds at the weekend. Bounces but even though when you're when you're in the Colmore, when it's at its busiest, or the Banker's Cat in Leeds, at its, which always is at its busiest because of where mm. it is, it yeah. still looks has that very pub aesthetic to it. That's can, true. Yeah, you, you can see that over the heads and the swarms. I don't get this at all. So uh, a bit, a bit of a bit of a disappointment there. I went in various other pubs in Manchester that I'd either never actually been in or. And visited, but I'll say I'll save them for a blog. Um, <laughs> and uh, just a quick note before I move on: uh, beer highlight of the month, drinking at home, which I didn't actually do that much of, but worth looking out for, as it always is. A reminder: the current iteration of Cloudwater's crystallography. I opened it downstairs, then went upstairs to get my charger from the back bedroom and as i came out the back bedroom the landing at the top of the stairs smell of this west coast dipper waiting for me down the on the smell just um, uh, coming off it was incredible and it was just the perfect west coast double ipa it was absolutely delicious but the aroma from it oh gorgeous it smelled bitter it smelled bitter, I'll be honest. <laughs> Couldn't wait to dive in. So if you've not had the current iteration of that, you too definitely would love it, and I'm sure many of our listeners would. So well worth looking out, out for I, again. I just, I just don't seem to see anything from Cloudwater on my any of my feeds anymore. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I, it's not like I've unfollowed them or anything. I just don't get their stuff come up. I saw they've uh, released a, a best bitter recently, so I'm pleased that I bought that style of beer back so they could have a go. Well done, you, for yeah, bringing yeah. best bitter back, mate. Yeah, solid, <laughs> solid. I, I mean, uh, yeah, Cloudwater, they saved Cascale, so I just felt like I needed to do more bits as well. Uh, <laughs> what, what have what, you been up to then, Rob, whilst we're uh, on 
your good self, saving better? Uh, well, um, so I've, I've been on holiday to the, the, the Cairngorms, but so that was mainly drinking in. But um, what? so on the way up, I stopped in Edinburgh for a night and I put up, put out on Twitter, X, whatever it's called now. It's Twitter, isn't it? Um, just, I said, if I'm in Edinburgh on a Wednesday night, what four pubs should I go to? Inevitably, I got loads of stuff telling me to get to places in Leaf that aren't open until the weekend. But which, yeah. which I, I saw that. <laughs> I definitely want to go back and, and check them out. Um, but yeah, I ended up only going to a couple of pubs because I, first of all, I went to the museum in the day because I thought that'll save me money by not being in the pub. And then when my mate got there, we ended up just having a chill time in a couple of pubs. We went to Kay's Bar because it was right by where I parked my car and I had to go and stick something back in my car. Uh, and on the outside, it looked, I was like, oh, there's just angry looking old men smoking outside. What's it going to be like inside? Inside, just an absolute joy. What a delightful place that was. Lovely. Went in there, had a, went straight for a point of a 80 slash minus. Yes. <laughs> and it was just, a, there's a mixture of people that like, locals tourists uh, well i don't know there were there was french guys in there so I, I don't know if they were tourists or what but it was it was brilliant it was just really friendly had a couple of really nice points in there and then later on in the night we went to the bow bar and again just had a really good ex experience me and my mate whitehead uh who mark knows and yeah, love Edinburgh. Going to need to go back and visit everywhere else. It's just a, I don't know, it's just a nice place to walk around. Architecture's great. Pub culture's good. So, yeah, I want to go back. Um, My favourite city. Go, so. go, go over to Leaf as well and see what's going on there. And then on the, on the way home from my trip, um, I had a stop off in Newcastle and um, met up with a listener of the show, uh, Pete, uh, aka Hops and Hoops, off, off Twitter, and just um, had a couple of great points in the Cumberland Arms, one of my favourite pubs in Newcastle, just proper pub, absolutely lovely place. Just well, just walking up to it, and like in the winter, it's dark, and they just had like the lights up outside. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm so excited just to walk through the door now. And then after that, we had the um, short walk to the free trade and just spent re the rest of the night there. And oh, I think a lot of people know about the free trade in this one, one of the best views in Newcastle out that big window in there. And yeah, y'all's always on. So I went for y'all, <laughs> had to be done. And they had the, um, the five points green hop um, beer as well. So that was another one that I had. So yeah, Newcastle. Um, I'd never been there until last year, but I, I want to be there as much as possible now. I love that place, and yeah, that was that was me for this month. Steve, what are you? What have you been up to? Not not a huge amount, really. I went to uh, Duration had a tap takeover at the Victoria Inn in, in Colchester, uh, where they had five cask beers from Duration. Five cask, Whoa. yeah. Now, Duration obviously aren't known for cask, but they have recently started doing uh, a few. And uh, uh, among that lineup was um, Turtles All the Way Down as, as well, which is their American uh, IPA. 
I had many pints of, of, <laughs> of, of that, uh, many pints. <laughs> and then I also had a couple of pints of the Ebb and Flow as well, which is their American stout, which is absolutely delicious. Oh, I love that beer. I haven't had yeah. that for ages. Uh, didn't realise they've, they've recently reduced it by 2%, though. Um, it's now uh. 4.8 rather than 6.8. And I, I, I think that reduction has made it, it's certainly made it more drinkable, but it hasn't lost any of the flavours. Um, but Miranda was there from duration as well. It was good to have a chat with her. So, so that was good. And yeah, uh, in, in fact, it was so good that I actually went back on the Saturday as well. So that was on the Friday. <laughs> night. Um, I woke up on the Saturday and I was like, yeah, I need more of that beer. So I, <laughs> I got dressed, got on the train, went to Colchester, had a few more pints and then come back home again. Um, you, you know, but... it's good when Steve has to have hair of the dog. And it's happened oh, and, and I had times. to have hair and <laughs> yeah. as well. And the the first pint of turtles on the Saturday just went down so easily. That beer is fantastic. On in, I've only ever had it in cans. I've never had it at the draft version on keg, but the cask version was just something else. It was just incredible. It was so so good, and obviously Rich knows how to keep the the the, the beer at the Vic, and it was kept so well and. Oh, it was just delicious. So that that was a real that was a real highlight for for me. Uh, the only other thing that I've really done is a staying within that Norfolk vibe. Actually, I went up to to spend the weekend with Clayton. He was on on holiday with with with, with Basil um, up up on the North Norfolk coast. He invited us up for the weekend, and 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 we basically spent a couple of days drinking Twiggy beer in 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 local pubs uh which isn't always the best but one of the pubs we went in uh was a real this is how i now categorize pubs it was mark johnson pub he would have absolutely loved it um there was open fire locals sat at the bar dogs everywhere and the walls of the pub just covered in guns um it was like a scene from lock stock and two smoking barrels i got got goosebumps (laughs) thinking about it uh lovely little pub uh they initially you walk in, they've got like two or three hand pumps and you think that's it. And then they've got a board behind the bar with a load more real hours on uh, all from gravity pour in the cellar. So I avoided all of those uh, because that's the worst way to, to present a beer. And I went for <laughs> a, a pint of cask uh, from Lacon's Brewery, who are a local brewery in, in, in Norfolk. It was called Phantom and it was cask black IPA. And my word, was it delicious. It was two pints delicious. And I, I wanted to go back there the next morning as well, but I, I couldn't because I had to drive home and they weren't open until like four o'clock or something on the Sunday. <laughs> but but that, that that was quite nice. And also I was up there, had had for the first time ever, just, just probably one of the, the beers that I want to mention from this month as well. I had uh, Glue Creek, which is a beer that you warm up to, to, to serve. So basically it's like, like mold wine. But but beer. <laughs> so this was from mm-hmm. Leafman's. It was their Glue Creek, and I expected it to be essentially like warm sour beer because like warm lambic. That's kind of what it read like on the label, and it just worked so well. And so now I'm a big fan of of, of Glue Creek, and I want it more because it, it's absolutely delicious. Uh, yeah, and other other than that, just the uh, the regular trips to two brews as as well to drink whatever they've got on. But yeah, not not the busiest of months because uh, that's that's obviously coming up in in this next month. I know we're we're all heading off to Liverpool next week, which you'll be able to hear about on a future show. So yeah, that wraps up our our beery adventures this month. How are we getting on with the first beers, chaps? 
Third's gone. Oh, well, well done. For a barley wine, wow. Yeah. I, did cheat. I, I, I did cheat. I did have to start a little bit early just while we are waiting for all of us to turn up. Um, oh, burn. Now, that's, that sounded a lot saltier than it was meant to, but to be honest, I just wanted to drink it, and it was delicious. So, yeah. And it looks like Mark's just finished his beer. Right, let's get into the second round then this evening. Rob, what are you drinking? From Maine with Love, I am drinking Allagash White. Oh, how happy is that face? Oh, man. This this beer, I love this beer. I've not had this since uh, since I was in Chicago in 2019. But when I met up with um, Pete in Newcastle, he bought a can of this along for me because he got, a, a, I think, Cloudwater had some. And he bought some and he bought one for me. And I liked Pete, but now I love him. <laughs> and what's uh, the... I think I've only had it once and was... Just well, it was obviously I wouldn't say a forgettable experience, but it's obviously not an experience that I've chosen to remember. So, what's why is it so iconic? What for, for me, it's just so drinkable. I I do like a Belgian style wit anyway, but it it makes me think of the times that I had drinking it. Really, being in the old town Isle House in Chicago, where like if you watch them. Parts Unknown, Anthony Bourdain, that pub is heavily featured in that. And I drank a lot of pints of it in there. And then in the in Hopleaf as well. Obviously, it's a mine beer, but it just did seem to be in Chicago a lot. It's just, what is it, 5.2%? It's just really easy drinking. And it, I was just excited about having it again because it reminds me of those experiences drinking it. It's not the most. So it's more experiential rather than. I think it's, it's... a re- the style for the style of it. It's a really good example. It's it's a style I enjoy. It's really nice, but definitely I have got it. Does link me back to those experiences. But I can understand oh. why it's so highly loved because it is just a really good example of a Belgian style whip. Yeah, I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to sound pill. negative. It's just, it's, I, I, I think basically no one's been able to give an answer to that question. That's not based on some kind of ex, ex, higher experience with it. So, um, which is fine. To be fair, I think most of the beers that I love the most have got that link to the experience as well. So, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I love that about beer. So, mm-hmm. more of it. What, what have you got? In your glass, Steve? I have gone full-on festive, full-on seasonal, and I got very excited when I saw this beer released as well. So, so, so I ordered... A beer for my birthday? Yes, absolutely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I ordered a, a case of it. Uh, that's how excited <laughs> I was about it. Uh, it's from Williams Brothers, and it's... Uh, I don't know how I'm pronouncing this. Uh, Nolag? Nolag? Nolag. Uh, Winter Spruce IPA. So it's a 7% uh, West Coast style IPA um, that has been included uh, within the brewing process. Um, Hand picked sprigs of spruce, which are harvested during a two week window each spring. So um, it's it's a beer that I remember having many years ago. It used to come in a big 750 mil flip top bottle with like a yeah, little handle on it. I was looking at that can then and 
thinking, please don't that be the same beer that used to be it again talking about beer. experiences. It came in this yeah. gorgeous big 750 bottle and it's now in the most horrid tiny rebel looking fucking yeah. it's very supermarket, isn't it, that it, it is. Oh. Um I've I've got to say, I I'm I'm with you on that, Mark. But I I I think I think I'm right in saying that they retired this beer for a number of years. And this is the first time they've released it in a good while. And I'm not disappointed by it. It is, it is really kind of, it's, it's actually really quite dank. It's a little bit sticky. There's some sort of like citrus notes in there. There's a lovely bit of finish to it. Some, some resin, resinous stuff going on in there as well. Like that sticky resinous that you'd, you'd get from, like a like a spruce tree, and, and yeah, it's it's delicious. I'm not I'm not disappointed that I that I bought a case of it. I'm really I'm really not because I think I think I'm going to enjoy uh, a few of these. But I am disappointed that it's not in that beautiful 750 mil flip top swing bottle mm. with the hand tied label and and everything else that came came with it. You know the the, the idea of it is superb, and I, I actually forget that's been around for so long because. I would say with like Christmas beers, and I think in the next section I'll get into that a bit more. But there's all, and I probably said it in the Christmas shows last year. There's so many Christmas flavors that you can experiment with rather than just putting cinnamon in a beer and calling it a Christmas beer. And the idea of putting actual pine needles or spruce tips or something just sounds very obvious craft kind of thing to do. And I've seen the last few years, a couple of breweries finally doing it. But then I forget, of course, Williams Brothers have been doing it for years anyway. They always did. Well, I the, the last time I had this was from, from that bottle, and it was in 2014. And I think it was I think it was gifted to me by someone as well. I can't remember who it was that gifted it to me. So Williams Brothers have certainly been doing it since at least 2014, but probably for a few years before that as as, as well. So it's it's nothing new, but I I did also try at the weekend. Um, Pahala have done uh, a spruce tip IPA as well in a can, and it, again it had that kind of sticky resinous to it. So um, I, I think that's obviously a characteristic that the the spruce tips must bring to to, to the beer. Uh, but yeah, I mean I'm 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 thoroughly enjoying this. Um, the, the the most the most local brewery to me was a brewery called Distant Hills that they, cl- they closed last year and they did a spruce IPA about 5.6 a few years ago. Gorgeous can and a really gorgeous beer with that kind of resinous flavour and they couldn't shift it for love nor money and it was so sad because it was such a good beer. Um, well, that's what I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> if that's what Williams Brothers have gone for by re-releasing this this year is going for that kind of nostalgia bump almost in, in in terms of people that will remember it from when it used to be in that big bottle are going to buy this beer and and i certainly did the minute i saw it i was like if that's the same beer that used to be in that bottle then i i, I want some of that because i used to really enjoy it i haven't yeah. had the um williams brother stuff for, for years actually until i've just remembered last week on on the way back from the highlands Towards Newcastle, um, stopped in Stirling for a night, and then there's a pub there that just had their um, Caesar Augustus, their lager oh. IPA on, and that's that, pretty oh. good. That oh, that was, was a beer that first introduced me to 
beer. Mm. Um, really? I, yeah, it was it was one of the first beers I had that I first started when I first started getting into craft. I'm using the, the inverted commas there. Um, I was blown away by Caesar Augustus because it's a it's a lager IPA hybrid, isn't it? Well, oh, it's a cold IPA. Or an IPL. <laughs> no, no, lager IPA, completely different thing altogether. But yeah, I, I asked, I, j- I walked into the um, the settle in the oldest pub in Stirling with um, listener Mick McGrawty come to meet us, and we, I just said, "Oh, we'll have three pints of whatever the cask was," and she was like honest and says, "Have you tried this Caesar Augustus?" And I was like, "No, I haven't." And then I ended up having probably five points of it. So, yeah, good. Sadly, I think um, I think Williams Brothers have, have become one of those breweries that have fallen into that. Uh, I think one of you guys said it looks like a supermarket beer. Yeah, that's uh, what I, I think. I don't see their beers in the supermarket. I, I know they do some beers for Audi, mm. but I I don't uh, – that they have that image about them that they are – that they're a supermarket brand, and, yeah. and and they're not because, like you say, Caesar Augustus is cracking beer. Joker, they're they're straight up IPA. Joker is cracking. Double Joker is an incredible beer when 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 you can get it. It's it's just I don't know what it is about them as 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 a brand or as a brewery that just doesn't connect. Their, their rebrand kind of looks like when Marston's decided to rebrand a few years ago to look more crafty, like they're pedigree yeah. and stuff like that i can kind of it's, see what you, yeah. where you're going out there yeah like so you know they'll, they'll probably sell more of the no lag the way that it is now but it's fucking horrible to look at but <laughs> it is but then then also i think when, when i was just looking at my check-in from 2014 that that bottle was 750 mils and that was a lot of that beer to drink on your own um yeah. so actually 440 mils can I'm, I'm quite happy with that and i'm very much in enjoying this beer and i'm going to continue to enjoy this while, while while i visit my favorite place that i like to take a trip to every month Welcome everybody to Route Corner with me, Smokey Johnson, where every month we'll be exploring the wonderful world of smoked beers. And you're coming with me, ladies and gentlemen, to the exotic place of Finchampstead this month, where we're going to have a lovely beer. We're going to go to the stars via the fire with Siren Brewery's Fire and Stars Smoked Porter. So we're at... 5.7% for this smoked porter. Um, and they have knocked this out of the park. It's a long time since I've had a smoked porter of this quality. It's just... It, the, 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 there's this thickness to it, which I think people are afraid of with smoked beers because... Obviously, so much of the body comes from the malts, but if we overdo the malts, then it's going to be too smoky. It's going to be too overpowering, so they they don't do enough of it. So there's not enough backbone to the beer, good malty backbone, as people love to say, and also take the piss out of. And it just doesn't come through enough with smoked beers, but they've got this just the right body for it to carry these flavours. And it's like all the 
burnt bits off chicken wings or sausages off a barbecue, just them <laughs> gnarly burnt bits that you love to just pick off and you think this is just what I this is why I like smoked food and all put into a beer. It's oh it's it, it's got it's got the works for me without being then overly complicated. It's just a very, very good smoked beer. And I'm very glad that Siren have um, come back into the realm. I think it's a good number of years since I remember them doing one. I was very surprised by this, and I was surprised by the number of people that jumped onto it. Um, I don't know whether you guys were tempted. Obviously not. No, not at all. <laughs> not, not, not even for a second. Although the minute I saw it, I did think Mark Johnson. Yes, and well, the moment I saw it, I was like, "Well, that—that's where we'll be going for Route Corner, <laughs> and that is where we have gone for Route Corner for December, and we'll see you in 2024." I'm very much looking forward to what Route Corner has to bring us in 2024 because it's been a—it's been a revelation over the last couple of months, uh, introducing <laughs> this new segment to the show and 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 seeing which wonderful smoked beers you 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 have. My actually sometimes. It's it's like a bit of a it's it's a little bit like Russian roulette as as to whether you're going to get a good one or a bad one, isn't it? I think we're about fifty fifty right now, aren't we? Yeah, we're doing all right. You know, I think the pendulum's slightly gone in its favour the last couple of episodes. Yeah, you're on a good so... run. You're on a good yeah. run at the moment. But but I think you do, bringing Schlenkler into the fold helps. So well, back to back with with, with those, si- wasn't it? So, yes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Siren, and I've I've already got the next two months lined up. So. marvellous but there we go i'm just wondering how many of our listeners when you said finch Hampstead, went elusive haven't released a smoked beer (laughs) no but they should while we're drinking our second beers let's talk about that thing that's been bouncing around this month reverberation 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 it's reverberation. Although I'm not sure whether this one has been bouncing around or more so something that we actually just wanted to talk about. Because what we're going to discuss is um, how the beer and the pub scene and generally this little community in which we have it seems to be reverting to a state of pre-craft. Now, I'm sure we're going to explain what we mean there. I'm I'm sure Mark's going to explain it because this was your idea. I'm literally throwing you to the wolves here, mate. Um, But yeah, it's and but as soon as you said this to us, when when we was discussing about what we're going to talk about this month, you you, you said this phrase, you said that exact phrase is is, is that the beer and pub scene seems to be reverting to to pre-craft. And immediately both Rob and I went, yes, we know exactly what it is you're talking about. Let's talk about that. So, Mark, what is it that you're talking about? <laughs> and that, but it, it's strange because I said to you both, I don't know if that's going to be something I'm going to be able to, I'll try and explain it more. I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate it, but you were both just like, no, we know what you mean. But I do think, especially for a podcast medium, how are we going to explain it? And I do think we'll have different ideas but i just feel like over the last two three months maybe the moves and shakes that i've been seeing some of them can be considered positive obviously some of them are negative are leading into this way where 
everything seems to be recoiling from that surge of um, tap rooms and big beers and everything into this state and without really realizing it's like right well this is how it was bef before I got into beer which was no sorry how it was when I got into beer which was just when I turned drinking age and so w that when I say it's reverting back to pre-craft it's just going back to a state of 15 20 years ago what are some of the things that have made me think that i think some of them have been covered by some of our previous topics on the shows you know the fact that we just like pubs certainly yeah especially me and rob i know you have pubs as well steve but we just like pubs well it feels like at the moment everybody just likes pubs or is that's what they're saying um obviously the brewery closures are having a big impact but breweries just fighting for survival so they're making more beers not beers that they want to make but just beers that keep them afloat which are obviously some of the more boring types so we're reverting back to that we've talked on the show about the end of hype beer you know and again it's because people are now making best bitters rob's really happy about the savior of best bitter brilliant but at the same time why are breweries making best bitter well because they're just making beers that will keep them afloat will keep them in business rather than making a 12 percent smoked bourbon barrel imperial stout which you know is still selling two years after the brewery is closed and the beer's long gone out of date um and what, what a good example, and I hate to, I will bring them up on this instance. I know we don't like to mention them, but the brewery, big brewery in Aberdeenshire, making a 500 milliliter bottle supermarket shelf amber ale. I know they are no longer the. the I had missed that. They're not the drivers of the beer scene anymore, but even when they start doing that, it's a, it's because they're fighting for ways for even supermarket space. So how do how how does the rest of the smaller breweries come after that? Um, Look, Christmas I'm, I'm beers. Just, I'm so, just. Can I just jump you can in? Jump there. in. That's fine. Yeah, of course you Be, can. Because that that beer in particular has caused a bit of a ruckus, hasn't it? Because it's it's trod on somebody else's IP. Oh, and, oh, is that what it is? Yeah, and oh, yeah, that, that jump, brewery, jump jumps, jump Ship Brewery, are now taking Brewdog to court over that beer because they've called it Shore Leave, and um, Jump Ship Brewery already have a beer called Shore Leave, and um, that that's been in the news this week as as, as we recalled about. Well, and the the, the, tag, the tagline for Brewdog's beer is "Time to Jump Ship." Yeah, as yeah. well. So. so <laughs> Which... Uh, and this, because this all happened about six months ago when they first, uh, James Watt, as he does, he, he he put some prototype images up and immediately somebody said about the shore leave bottle, um, there's already a beer called that by Jump Ship. And there was a whole argument back then. And and then, yeah, I much, much like yourself, Mark, I was surprised recently to, to see that bottle on the shelves in Tesco. I was like, hang on a minute, that's a 500 mil Brewdog bottle next to um, the bottles. Next to the bottles of Pedigree and and Hobgoblin Unicorn, and whatever, or, or, whatever yeah, and all, all the rest Spitfire, of it. all those. And and you I was know, just I, like, I, every, 
everything they were supposedly against. That well, they're now a part of. James, yeah. James, James, what's uh, dating someone who's been a member of the Conservative Party since you was a teenager, you know, as well. So, yes, yes. <laughs> very punk. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I don't want to linger on them, but I do think that when they're doing things like that, it just feels every everybody's reverting back to this state of pre-craft, even them. Um, of doing things they never would, they never would do. Christmas beers was another one that gave me that sense, and the, the reason I say that there's a lot of things that, and this is where I always find the word craft useful. And I know you're not a big fan, Steve, but the reason it defines these kind of smaller independent breweries that were not doing something revolutionary, but had these different ideas and they used to things like we're not touching Christmas beers because um, for the things that you, you used to say about them as well, Christmas beers are just the same beers with a few a bit of extra spice thrown in. So we're not touching that. Whereas the older breweries, they all had a Christmas beer and a Christmas special. Well, I'm all for Christmas special beers and guess what? All the breweries seem to be having a Christmas special this year. Something else they're adapting to. Well, even the aforementioned uh, Aberdeenshire Brewery have released an elf beer, haven't they? Oh, uh, yes. To coincide God. with the is it twentieth or twenty fifth anniversary of, of of the elf film? Uh, they now have an elf 20, beer twentieth year, year two thousand three, yeah. which which hurts me. Deeply because that's one of my uh, oh, handful so... of annual Christmas films that I will watch. Me too. Yeah, I, I, I think I've said before in the podcast, probably the last Christmas one, that the, the most con- happy and content I've ever felt was the first time I watched Elf, and I just felt really warm. Beautiful and, film. And, and now next time I watch it, I'm just gonna just think about Brewdog. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, James Watts. Oh man. But even the way other breweries are approaching Christmas beers, because when I used to do my beer advent calendar every year, even those that were doing Christmas beers, they'd release them in like the middle of December. And I used to just be like, oh, can you not release them before? So I've got them in my advent calendar. Well, lo and behold, they were all releasing them back in October now, the the ones that were doing them. Um, so, and that... that a lot of people might not have picked up on it, but I did. I was like, that feels very rocking Rudolph or mm. Good Elf or whatever the beers. Santa's that, Sack. Santa's Sack and Yellow Snow and all those oh. ones. It just feels very much like they're adapting to that. In a better way, don't get me wrong, they've not got stupid names and the better quality beers, but they, I don't think they've realised that they're just playing the Marston's game anyway. And then I suppose the attitude to pubs and going on um, pub crawls around city centres. Again, positives for me, but it's the way that it's now different. When people come to Manchester, the the places they want, they got. I'm going out, going out. I'm coming up from um, London to Manchester. Where should I go? Obviously, I've got the City Arms and Peveril of the Peak on my list, but where else should I go? When when did that used to be the case? Because when you were coming up and the places you had on the li- your list were Port Street and Cloudwater Brewery Tap, the City Arms and Peveril of the Peak were exactly the same as they fucking are now. Mm. So what what has changed your mind now? Now, I'm not going to complain <laughs> about it. It's people going into pubs and people are now going to city centres 
and going right where where am I going? And it's it's the pubs he wants to go to first. Fucking brilliant. But yeah. they were the ones that were that have been here for a hundred years. And this is what I mean about reverting to this other state of mind. So so when I say yes, so this is a topic to you guys, and you guys were like, I know exactly what you mean. What were you guys thinking of? But before I go into what I was thinking, I, I want to go back a little bit to what you were saying, Mark, in terms of clearly there's been a point where there was a shift. And I'm just wondering what that shift was when it happened and what caused it. And we might not be able to answer that right right now, but I, I think we've all felt that, and and maybe even from our own experiences here on recording this podcast, we can go back to the the, the beginning of this year. We can go back to the beginning of twenty twenty three when our great Messiah, Mister Rob Edwards, said that bitter was going to be the thing of, of twenty twenty three, and it turns out that it actually was. And yeah. W- I think going back to the beginning of this year, maybe the talent last year, maybe even to the beginning of last year, I think that shift started to happen, maybe coming out of COVID, you know, people were, people who got used to drinking at home and um, everybody ordered online and we ordered from a great range of breweries and we had fantastic beers and we all enjoyed those at home. And then we started going out again. And the, the thing that we craved the most was the pub and being with people and drinking cask beer and our options are uh, slightly more narrow there in terms of what you can drink than what you can order at home and i just wonder if we've got into this state of mind of actually i'm I'm really enjoying just drinking what's on offer at the pub rather than chasing a pub that has got a certain beer on i'm just going to go to my local and i'm going to enjoy the atmosphere and what's on in, in in that pub i'm wondering if that's part of it Oh, I'd say so, yeah. Very, very good case there. I know, I know that I a good, a good example for me is um, Tracks Tap Room that opened post pand well, not post pandemic, but post lockdowns. Um, and as much as I'm a big fan of Sonoma, there definitely would have been a time when I would have gone into a place like that, started with a pint of Sonoma, and then looked to the board. I don't think I've ever had anything but a pint of Casanova in Tracks Tap Room ever. And I don't think a few years ago that would have been the case, as much as I love Sonoma. You have had something else, but in fairness, someone else went to the bar. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was probably disappointed that I wasn't brought back a pint of Sonoma. I'm not going to lie, I didn't enjoy the other beer as much as I did the pint of Casanova, to be honest, either. So, yeah. But you no, know, but that this is the thing. So I think you're right, Steve. That I would also, when I, I talk about how I don't drink as much at home, when I've, I've probably said it on this podcast before, you can never remember. So sorry if I repeat myself to our listeners. But you know, there might have been a time where I'd have, you know, three pints in the pub and then maybe a bottle or a can of something that I was looking forward to to having at home. Whereas now I'll just be like. I'll, I'll just have four or five pints of 4% beer in the pub and nothing when I get home. And that's how I distribute it now. I don't look, well, not that I don't look forward to, but I don't care as much about what I had at home. Whereas I used to like cut trips to the pub short because I knew there was something at 
home that I was looking forward so much to having. And I was like, I don't want to have too much here so I can enjoy that barley wine when I get home. Whereas now, I don't give a crap about what's in my cellar at home. I'm going to have an extra one in the pub because it's flipping open and it didn't used to be. So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. you might be right in what you're saying there, Steve. I think another thing as well is me and a lot of other people um, since, like, um, COVID and everything and everything in terms of economically changes, we haven't got as much disposable income as we used to have. So either we're, for me, example, I don't drink much at home. I look forward to going out to the pub and pubs are my favourite place to be. I like to go to a good tap room, but a pub is just something special. That, And we had that period of time where we missed it. But also, very very often as well, drinking Cascale, it's cheaper than going and drinking like seven or eight pound pints of double IPA. And I, I completely get what definitely... you I get what you're saying. I, I I I do get what you're saying in terms. I want of... I want more bang for my buck. Yeah, we're we're all a bit more uh, conscious. Of, of, of how we spend our money. We're a bit more thrifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want a little bit more for, for what we get back. Uh, and, and I think part part of that is also that we are sometimes, particularly when you, you're talking about the drinking at home market, we're absolutely ruined for choice in, in, in terms of what, what you could buy from an online, um, a, a so bur- true, from yeah. a brewery online or from an online shop. I mean, let's let's just take as we recall today. Uh, it, it's I think it's Thanksgiving today, so that yeah. would make tomorrow the official Black Friday. The amount of Black Friday deals from breweries that, that this year, I've never seen anything like it. And I'll be honest, I'm sitting there looking at them, and I'm waiting for that one deal that I'm going to be like, that's the one. That's the one that's going to buy me all my Christmas easy drinkers, fridge fillers. I'm going to get that on a good discount. I'm going to get free delivery. I'm going to get whatever offer you're giving me to to, to bring me in a lot of good beer to enjoy over Christmas. But that choice can also be a little bit, uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming as as well, because it's like, I, I, I want to support all these breweries that I love. But coming back to your point, Rob, I can only afford to support so many of them so many times because actually I've still got bills to pay. And actually I'd still also like to support my local pub or my local bottle shop or my local tap room by giving them some money as well. So I think that's made us a little bit more, a little bit more conscious of our buying decisions in, in terms of when we go out for a drink, what is it we want to drink? You mentioned choice as well. And so three years ago, how many of these um, breweries didn't even have an online platform? Mm. So many were just set up because they had to set them up and then they've kind of just carried on with the same thing. So there is so much choice to the point that you just think, right, let's well. just get to the pub. Yeah, no, no, I think as well what we – you're absolutely right there, Rob, with the now everybody's got an online shop and that wasn't previously the case because that's – as Steve was just talking then, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, yeah, what would happen is one brewery, say it was Siren, who I'm drinking now, so that's why I thought of them. But, you know, Siren would announce a Black Friday deal and it'd be all fridge fillers, so whatever theirs were at the time, Broken Dream, Lumina, and I wouldn't have been Lumina before somebody jumps on and goes, that's a relatively new beer. Broken Dream, Soundwave, 
is a, a box of all of them for 20 quid black friday deal and every single person on twitter would jump on it because it oh, was the only deal that was going around it was the best one but now every single brewery's got one and like you know steve says and he's right i'll wake up tomorrow and i'll have 50 different emails from breweries that i've ordered from in the past that are all offering a black friday deal and i'm like I don't know which one of these to go for, so you probably end up not going for any of them. That's, and and that's that, that's that, that's a problem. And I think I think if we if we bring that back to the discussion about this kind of pre-craft thing, I think when when I when I think back, what is it, eleven years now to to, to when when I first started podcasting, our, our choice was relatively simple in 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 terms of the beers that. That, that that Mark and I wanted to feature on that original podcast. It was like, you, you know, we've gone on record to say this, that we would both be in our local Tesco on the phone to each other saying, what can you see on the shelf in front of you? And that was that would be how we would choose our beers. It, it, it would be what was available in the supermarket. What can we grab? What can we talk about? Over time, that choice has grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. And, you, you know, it, and, and like I say, sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming in terms of that there are so many good beers that I, I, th I think a couple of years ago, I got to the point where I realized I literally couldn't try them all. Um, and, I, and I had to back down from that 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 point. It was like, I'm never going to get to try all the beers. So just just try the ones that you want to try. There, um, was, a, there was actually an opinion show, wasn't there? Or at least um, a poll about the different stages of craft. And yeah, this was linked into the Boke and Bailey mm -hmm. piece about those seven stages of of of, of craft, and and I, I think I'm very I've gone through all of those, and and now I just drink what I what what I want to enjoy. I don't I'm no longer the sort of person that goes into a place and if they haven't got a good beer on, I have a little hissy fit about it and I refuse to drink anything. I'm like, you know what? Actually, I can find something there that I'll drink might not enjoy it but i'm going to drink it because i'm out with a group of friends and i want to be sociable it's as simple as that and if all else fails there's always guinness there's always that reliable old friend at the end of the bar <laughs> sitting there smiling at us waiting for our order nice um, well before, through, before yeah. i get into the before i get into the guinness thing again which is i think my last point that i'm going to make but i was actually only thinking today when um as we record marble announced their decadence 2023 version um and it made me think of a an uh a twitter so uh beer meetup social event thing they, they used to have in the early days of beer twitter um where they would choose a style of beer and there'd be a hashtag going around and everybody on a saturday night would drink that specific style of beer use the hashtag we'd have a conversation about it and it felt like the whole of beer twitter was involved and it was like 30 people and i remember them being a, an, an imperial stout one and i think the hashtag was imp off if i remember <laughs> right um it must have been about 2012 and i remember i wanted to go and pick up a marble decadence from somewhere and it was in the 70 50 mil corked bottles and i got two trains from a house to go to the second most local bottle shop at the time to get a just a bottle of marble decadence and i now 
have absolutely no idea where that bottle shot was. I was trying to think today. I, I even I looked up the hashtag and my tweet about decadence in the hope that I'd actually tweeted where I got the beer, so that it would jog my memory of where that bottle shot was to see if if I could search for it to see if it was still going. And it was one of only about four or five beer bottle shops in the country anyway. And I can't even remember what town it was in now. But at the time, it was an absolute golden rarity. Nowadays, there is a bottle shop, a six-minute walk from my work. And it's been open two years, and I've not been in it. <laughs> that's That's how I treat beer bottle shops now in 2023. I mean, imagine in 2012, I would have been there every mm. dinner time at work. Never mind every week. My entire wage would have gone if I had a bottle shop in that ridiculous proximity. And I've not been. <laughs> like, it's a different time now because of the choice of so many things, pubs, online, whatever weekends out it's a such a different time that you can't comprehend it it is incomparable and th that unfortunately was why i can't see bottle shops result so my attitude to bottle shops isn't the same as it was in 2012 when it was craft but it is in a kind of like pre-craft ways almost like it doesn't exist it's not there in the first place yeah, I, I remember getting really excited uh, back in the day when Hot Burns and Black first opened in in South London, and uh, at the time I was working in London regularly, and I would I would regularly make the, the the trip down to Peckham to to go and spend hours in 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 there, and I would drink in and I would take bottles away, and you, you know now I suppose my modern equivalent of that is 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 that I'm in two brews regularly in Colchester. Uh, but it's that's a different offering now because that's not just it's not just a bottle shop it's it's a bar as well and chat, chatting to Paul the owner and he was he, he was saying recently they've that they've been that they've noticed the turn in um that the, the customer spend in 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 the shop so that the customers are now spending more money on buying the draft beers that they offer and as a result, they've started reducing the amount of cans and bottles that they have in the fridges because they've that they've noticed that that's where the shift has gone. Is is that people want to they want to come into the shop, they want to drink the beer that's on draft, they want to stay in the shop, and they want to sit down and they want to spend time rather than going to the fridges and just 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 taking things out. So, I, I, I think it maybe it's not just us. Maybe it's the whole maybe it's the whole kind of industry is, is is shifting slightly away from this must chase the new beers all of the time to a more relaxed i'm just going to enjoy beer because of where it's served and where i'm at i mean talking about pre-craft you've only got to think uh mark's just been to north westward hole whether mark thought it was really pub like or not they've tried to set up something that's like a pub rather than being like some like post-industrial tap room instead. And well, it was also rammed full of people that, mm -hmm. and I, I mean, I'm, I don't mean this in a snobby way or anything like that, just probably not your atypical beer drinkers, but they clearly loved that bar. 
of the bar for it's what it was. Absolutely full of Gary Punter and Mike Point. Well, I think I, I think I, it, I I jotted down in my notes in case I do write a blog about it. The, the kind of people that are probably normally in Cuban revs, Revolution to Cuba down the road, mm. drinking cocktails. But they're in there because it's the new shiny bar in town. And that's mm. all they care about. And the best looks of Pomona Island, they'll make loads of money from it. And that's fine. And it's... That that that's 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 enough for a new place. It doesn't need to be full of craft beer knobheads like ourselves. <laughs> so, that's, that's, fine. A, that's the last thing they want. Let, let, let's yeah. just say, and I want I want to say at this point, and I, I really don't feel like I have to say. Well, yeah, I feel like I have to say this, but I don't. We don't. You don't have to, to say, say it, this. But do it. Um, is is that this this is this is our view of where we're at in our drinking, and it's not disparaging on any of our listeners that enjoy their beer in a different way or in a different place or in a different style. It's all, all we're saying is, is, is that things change, things evolve. And we, we've, we've maybe evolved to a point where we're, we're looking back and saying, well, these are the things that we enjoy now. And, and actually, you know what? I, I, I would happily sit in a tap room and watch somebody that's new to craft beer, getting really excited about every beer that's on the board and when they're checking them in, they're getting four or five badges every time on Untapped. Can't remember the time I got that many badges in one go. I really can't. But I, I just, I just, it's enjoy beer the way that you enjoy it. All, all we're offering here is a commentary on what what we feel as though we're observing in terms of the way the beer scene is changing. Yeah, but what I would what I would say is, and this is certainly my final sort of point on this how I feel it's reverted back to it is also there's three guys and it's going to sound like I'm just blowing smoke up our ass, but it's not, it's to make a point that there's three guys on this podcast that I've, I, I don't feel I've ever been something else. Be, and what, what I mean by that is you look at the best bitter resurgence at the minute and you've got people um, drinking it ironically Drinking, and I'm talking about beers that have been around. Like, you know, Coniston's Bluebird Bitter is a fantastic beer. It always has been. If you come across it, I'll happily have one. And I have done my entire drinking life. And that was no different in 2008, 2013, or 2023. But there are now people that are high up in the industry or prominent beer people or suddenly drinking these beers and going do you know what this is a cracking beer and it's like yeah it fucking was when you were drinking nothing but seven and a half percent ipas a few years ago and these are the same kind of people that are then drinking do you know what i just fancy it i'm glad i'm glad that, that such and such a brewery has done a best bitter or i just fancy a lager or, or do you know what there's nothing wrong with having a pint of guinness and anyone that tells you otherwise is a, a knobhead yeah that has always been the case. And so, you know, I'm someone that's always drunk, been happy to drink Guinness, and that's not an issue. Steve, you've been drinking Guinness, but things like Rhinebackers and stuff at home the whole time, if you fancy one. Rob's a big champion of Best Bitter. There's there's no pretense about it. But the what I wonder is, is this now just... The current phase is to be cool 
drinking Guinness and Best Bitter in pubs. But then that'll change and then they'll move on to the next phase. So have we gone to, have we reverted back to something or is this just the next phase? Oh, everyone and the mum's drinking bloody Carlin Premier now, so. Well, yeah, thank, that, th- thanks to you largely on that one, Mark. Let's be honest. That is that that is the final <laughs> form. The final form is we all drink Carlin Premier and all tap room shut down and, and the world implodes on itself. And I, I don't <laughs> we'll think we'll just sleep be... on the street. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this will be the last time we talk about this because I, I, I think we're only just beginning to scratch the surface on this. And, and I think the reason for that is because this topic came to us quite new almost. And we've only had a couple of literally had a, a day to, to, to form our thoughts on this. So this is just how we're feeling right now. And I, I think we'll come back to this, but I, I think we would really love to hear our listeners views on, on, on this one uh, because we want, because yeah, I think it's been difficult for us to articulate. So it'd be good to yeah. hear them try and articulate it for us. A- abso- yeah. abso- absolutely. And yeah, yeah. And that's why I want to maybe come back to this in a few months time. And, and speak once I've had time to think about it, speak pipe. <laughs> that yes. Would be perfect, yes. That yeah. would be, that would be perfect because despite the absolute plethora of speak pipes that we had for our birthday show last month, we had not a single one, this month so do i have to threaten you all once again do i don't have to do that with a good don't, time don't make him angry <laughs> don't make me angry about it you know where it is use it if you want to if you want to get involved in this conversation i'm not even going to say use the hashtag belonging anymore because i don't know if hashtags are a thing use the social media of your choosing to get in touch with one of us to talk to us about this we want to hear our listeners views on this subject in terms of how how the circle is turning how the wheel is turning talk to us about your views tell us tell us what you want to or to, else to share. Or, or else or else that's it the whole fucking thing is going you can forget <laughs> the lot it's it, 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 it's all going <laughs> but no oh, please okay. please please get involved in our discussions because because we, we do value the, the 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 listeners views on this we really do. We, 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 we really do. do. Yeah, love yeah. to hear from you. While you're composing your thoughts on how you're going to talk to us about pre-craft and how you're going to share that, whether you're going to do it via SpeakPipe or social media, however, just do it. It's time for this month's interview. And each episode, we like to feature a guest who is making their own reverberations in the beer world. This month, we're pleased to be joined by Katie Mather. Welcome to the show, Katie. It's lovely to have you join us as this month's guest. For our listeners that don't know you or haven't come across you before, do you want to just give us the uh, the, the brief spiel about you? Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, thanks, everyone, for having me, um, for in- inviting me to come along and join in your nice conversation of lovely fellas. Um, I am a writer. Um, I started off writing just about beer um, and have over the years sort of expanded into anything delicious that you eat or drink um, because that is mostly what I enjoy doing in my spare time. So why not just do that as a job also? Um, So yeah, um, until recently I ran a bar as well. So I'm kind of, I've always been in and out of hospitality, but I think if anyone's ever heard of me for whatever reason it's probably to do with writing about beer wine cider or food and has that has that always been a a passion of yours or or was it something that 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 came along as 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 a result of the writing 
Um, yeah, in in different ways, it's been part of my sort of working life throughout my life. So um, as a kid, I really wanted to be a chef. Um, so my first job was actually as a pot washing kitchen, um, which uh entirely put me off the profession <laughs> straight away um what an awful place to work that was <laughs> it was like this big um sort of highland I, I lived in scotland at the time so it's this like highland hotel slash restaurant um it was big there was a lot of catering done i just ended up washing up a million of the same things all the time it wasn't fun got yelled at a lot so i didn't want to be a chef anymore I really still hung on to the idea of like cooking and ingredients and flavors. And so throughout um, working various hospitality roles and stuff, it's been a hobby at home. Um, and then I did journalism at university and um, actually wanted to use that in a sort of like really serious way. So I, I either wanted to work in politics or I wanted to um, I wanted to be a war reporter. Um, and then once I graduated, realised that there was literally fuck all jobs in journalism. <laughs> um, this was in like 2010. Um, there was just nothing. And so I went to the dark side and worked in sort of PR and marketing. Um, and eventually didn't like doing that anymore. Got myself a blog. What am I going to write about? Well, I like beer. So there we are. And that was the snap and the hiss. Yeah, that's right. Was yeah, that the first so, one. Yeah, mm, that was my first blog that I did um, about beer. Um, I had a few embarrassing forays into blogging before that. I think everyone can remember Blogspot, where you just put any old shit out there. Yeah. Um, that was when I was trying to um, do sort of current affairs opinion. Um, I got rid of all of that. Don't try and find it. It was terrible, um, awful stuff. Um, not very interesting, like at all. Um, so yeah, I'm glad I stuck to the to the beer because it seemed to do a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. And at the time, and I stress at the time that you started, how how did you find your foray into beer writing? How was it received by the beer community? Community inverted commas mm. um, at the time. It's funny because um, I had no idea what I was getting into at all. I was just like, um, this is quite interesting. It interests me. It's something I talk about um, in the pub because I used to occasionally work shifts every now and again whenever he needed me at the local pub. Um, the guy called Simon that runs it used to chat to me about all the beers that he was getting in and stuff because he was only just starting to get in new newfangled craft beer bottles and things. And um, I thought, oh, this this is interesting. I bought, um, at the time, it was these Tempest Project bottles. Um, and I thought, this is quite exciting. Like, I've not really ever heard of anything like this before, personally. Like, I hadn't come across barrel-aged anything. I hadn't, I didn't know what any of it was. Um, so I took it home and I researched it. And I thought, other people might be interested in knowing about this. So I wrote about how excited I was to keep them until Christmas and what they were. And one of the first comments I got back was, so you're saying you've started a beer blog to write about beer that you've not drank. What a load of crap. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it. That sounds right. I was like, wasn't me, wasn't me, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> that, that sounds like you, mate. <laughs> so, but to be fair to whoever else seemed to 
respond to it. It was quite positive in like, oh, it had unwill unwittingly like taken a different path into writing about beer like it wasn't just reviewing a beer um or a pub report or something or a trip report it was like a personal experience of maybe a little bit of the marketing because that was my background and I can't help myself uh maybe a little bit about why I bought it from a local pub rather than on the internet and all that kind of stuff and I think even now I think about that piece is like well, if that's the first thing I ever wrote and it was nothing about the taste of the beer and people still read it, then maybe if I do go off on tangents, people are still going to be interested. I don't need to keep being um, formulaic. If if I get stuck, it's usually because I've become too formulaic. Um, so I find that quite interesting. So um, it's of no surprise to anyone that knows me that I took absolutely no notice of the person that told me it was crap. I mean, it probably <laughs> upset me a bit, but I was like, well, Fuck you! I think it's good, so it's staying. Uh, I just carried on. From the snap and the hiss, what what was your first foray into professional writing, as it were, professional beer writing? So I um, let me think about how this came about. So my first article I ever got paid for, paid to write about beer for. Is that how you say that? I'm I'm an English professional, obviously. I know how it's done. Talking um, and writing are two different things. So I, I definitely can do one better than the other. And um, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> I um, I wrote for Ferment magazine for my first ever article. And I think, I'm pretty sure it's because um, I direct messaged Matthew Curtis and asked is there anywhere that I should be looking at the pitch guidelines and stuff like that I think I might have missed um and he asked me to tell him what I'd already looked at and that was one of them and he said well if you haven't pitched them already you should um so I did so that was really good encouragement from someone who was already established in the industry as far as I was concerned you know we weren't friends at that point I'd just sort of read his stuff and I'd seen him on Twitter and that was, you know, probably our first conversation, actually. Um, and and I have found that, actually, just as a side, that people who work in the industry and beer writing have tended to be really helpful and supportive. Um, that's always been the way. Once I got out of sort of um, not really knowing what I was doing and what I was going into, once I started understanding how things worked and what people did, everything got a lot easier and everyone was a lot more helpful, um, which I think is the same everywhere, isn't it? It's like your first day at work. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I wrote about um, untapped reviews um, and I wrote about how they affect what people buy in pubs um, and that was in 2018. And it was well over-researched it took me a really long time to write it because I was just so super nervous about writing for like an actual printed publication for some reason that really made a difference to me that it was going to be in print and um, I think I just had all these hang-ups still from journalism at uni like you have to quote all these sources and blah 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 and so at least I did it properly but I was really pissed off that Untapped still to this day have not got back to me with any quotes or data because I, I put lots of stuff in there uh, but they just didn't want to verify it but I'm pretty happy with that topic for a first one. What what was it that drove you to that particular topic obviously you're someone who 
enjoys writing less perhaps in the past about ingredients and more about the people, the the real yeah. stories behind uh, the beers and pubs, etc. Yeah, I think I was still getting to know what I was interested in within the beer world. And on my blog, I'd written quite a lot of those sort of personal pieces about um, pubs and things. And I thought maybe that wasn't, maybe that wasn't professional enough or something. I think I was doubt, doubting myself on the content. So I needed to do something that sort of, I don't know, prove my worth as a an actual writer or something. I don't know, some bullshit like that. Um, so yeah, you're right. Like I don't tend to write kind of investigative pieces that, that often or really at all anymore um but I think it was also just to prove to myself that my brain hadn't rotted because I'd literally just left my full-time marketing job to go freelance full-time um at the time I was kind of trying to set up my own marketing copywriting business and wanted to do this freelance stuff on the side um and so I was like this has to work basically so I was terrified that if I got this wrong, then that I would have to go back to working in an office, and I didn't want to do that. So it was part; it was just fear, I think, more than anything else. I remember from your blog and reading it at the time that it was definitely beer and pub focused. And you mm. say talk about now that you beer cider and wine was that mm. were the other aspects something you got into through working within the industry more or. What was it there previous? Or... It definitely definitely is through working in beer. Um, I only got into wine um, through Pellicle, really. Um, my first article for Pellicle, um, well before I started working with the team, um, was about an independent little natural wine shop in Penrith called Blackham Wine. And... Um, the only reason I wrote about that, it was kind of, now, now I mention it, like it's exactly, it's almost exactly the same as my first ever beer blog post. It was like, I know nothing about this, so I'm just going to jump in. Like, I want to know more. And it's that sort of excitement of learning something new that really sort of carried that piece for me, I think. Um, and then after that, I was just like, wow, wine is super interesting, just like beer. Like, there's so many parallels. Um so yeah, then I just sort of kind of gripped onto that. And and cider was actually what I used to drink before I got into beer. Um, so it kind of made sense as well that I would see like once I was once I was informed that this thing called natural cider existed, real cider, I was like, Oh, well that's really awesome because I already know like how it's made. I've been to cideries and like gone camping in that area because I really like cider. So it kind of all links together in my head. And to me, all of those drinks really help inform how I write about them. Um, Rachel Hendry always talks about compound drinking. And I really believe that that's, that's important um, to help you be well-rounded about each thing, but not be snobby about one over the other, which is something that I'm quite uh, insistent on. Um, just because I like wine doesn't mean that beer is any less um or cider or anything like that or I don't ever look down when I was at people who would have a glass of wine in the pub rather than a pint you know it's it's whatever you want to drink at that time and uh yeah so it is just because of beer and knowing 
that there's such a wide variety of subjects and interesting things about beer. Why wouldn't there be about wine and cider? That's it. Definitely did open my eyes to that. Yeah. And you talked before about a pellicle, obviously set up Mm. by uh, Matthew Curtis and, and and Johnny Hamilton. As I say, the bar took up quite a lot of my time. It wasn't just time; it was like mental space. Um, I was really tired um, coming up to the end of that bar sort of period of my life, and when um, Matthew asked if I wanted to be part of the uh, editorial team of Pellicle at first, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can take that on. Um, but because I'd literally just decided I was going to wind things down with Glug, I thought it's a smaller role because I'm not con- I'm not everyday walk- working with people one-on-one. Um, and yeah, it's an exciting publication to work for. And obviously um, I have long-standing connections with with Matt and with Johnny um, and with Lily as well, who was being asked at the same time. Um, I just thought, okay, well, I'll give it a go. But um, I was very tentative. I wasn't like, let's do this, which is not like me. I'm usually like, well, so you can see what um, sort of kind of time I was having in my brain around that point. Um, but yeah, it's been great as well. Um, again, sometimes I can't believe that I have some amazing work in front of me by some writers who I've admired for years and I'm the one that's reading through it first like that's such a privilege to me and so to be able to kind of say imagine if this was in this way like it kind of just shines it up a bit or you know it it makes it a little bit more punchy and to work with people in that way it's I just find editing so rewarding so yeah I'm glad I'm back into it but I'm also glad that it's in a a lot less of a pressured situation. Like, yeah. not that Glug was a big pressure situation. I think most people would find it quite an easy job. But because I had so much else going on in my life and it was there was a lot to pack into each edition every single month, with Pellicle, we kind of share it out between us and we only put out an article a week. And uh, in that respect, it works really well for me because it keeps those skills sharp. And I also get to meet loads of writers I would not normally get to work with so yeah I love doing it let's let's talk about Corto but rather than talking about the the sad end of Corto a, a few months ago let's talk about uh, the bright side of it that the 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 sunshine that it brought to Cliveroe for for a period of time what was it that drove you to to build Corto and what did you want to put out to the world well so me and my husband Tom had been talking for a while um, that we wanted to open um, a bar or a cafe of some kind, um, definitely beer related. Um, and it just so happened um, that the timing was right at one point for us. Um, he managed to take um, voluntary um, redundancy from his work. And so we put everything into opening this little bar in Clitheroe. So the reason we chose Clitheroe is because we, um, well, we've lived here for 11 years, maybe 12 years now. Um, It's about as close to like a hometown as I've got, I think. I've moved around a lot in my life. I'm quite anchored here now. But also, you know, at the time, it felt like things were moving in that direction. We... We're getting the town itself was getting 
put in the press quite often is like having some of the best food pubs in the well said certainly in the in the region sometimes in the country although they do usually mention a couple of pubs that aren't in Clitheroe just so you know they're like in villages and towns nearby but that's by the by um also there was quite a lot of other cool little businesses opening so there was like a vintage shop that opened the um the bookshop reopened we just thought things are kind of looking up um tourists coming back into town and you know it wasn't doing so well um seems like it's a good idea to do that um and then unfortunately as soon as we got open um well as soon as we were about to open the um, pandemic began so we were kind of put on the back foot as soon as we started um we had to rejig the business model for almost an entire year to become um, a shop first rather than a bar um but we worked with that um and we've had amazing support from people on the internet it's been amazing so at the time I was still on Twitter and just the amount of people on Twitter who were sharing our new brand new Instagram and like coming from Manchester and beyond to come and check us out and buy a few things just to kind of support and it was it was amazing really we couldn't have done it without that and then when we finally got to open um, as a bar, we just sort of wanted to make it, things had changed slightly. So where it was going to be this sort of small sort of beer snacks upscale model of service, it turned into like um, we wanted to really base it on community and getting people in to talk to each other, talk to us make it bright, friendly, welcoming, accessible, make it somewhere that people want to spend time in outside of their homes, feel safe. Um, that was our major priority. And from from that moment on, really, that, that became what it was all about, was the really great beer, which Tom was so meticulous in the cellar. He put the entire cellar system together himself and made sure that everything was just perfect bob on which is why pints of fog were just famous around where we were because it's like you can't get it anywhere like that it's like magic I don't know what you did um but um I do miss a pint of fog can you tell <laughs> <laughs> and um we I don't know it was just nice we kind of felt like we were connected to the community so we didn't just live in the town anymore like we had this kind of feeling of community that I'd just never really experienced in the town um, prior to that. And it started to be that people would, you know, bring in their kids and then I'd kind of be part of their kids growing up and they'd come in and show me like that they'd done the homework and that was why they were allowed out or they'd show me like the new Lego model that they'd made or whatever. And I really miss that aspect of it. It's like the being part of people's lives as a publican. That's like, for me, that was like the number one major redeeming point of late nights cleaning toilets like not getting to eat all day because it's been erratically busy and then quiet and then busy and then quiet like the the thing that makes it all worth it is the people a big part of your story is obviously the pandemic but yeah. because of how things are now so the pandemic never happened but you opened in 2022 do you th th think so so you've not had that impact from the first couple mm -hmm. of years, but do you think it'd be in any way possible for a business like Corto to exist 
in that's the... a super interesting question because i've been thinking about this not in that in those words but you know the the what if scenarios honestly the the vibe change that we saw in Clitheroe pre-pandemic is completely washed away now. Um, every little cute sort of the 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 sort of eco refill shop, the vintage store, all these little businesses that we were seeing crop up on the market, they don't exist anymore. These the landscape on the high street has changed, not for the better, and it's a shame because I could see such potential beforehand and that's a really depressing answer to that question I know but I just don't think maybe Corto could have survived if we opened it last year instead but it wouldn't have been the same business we would have had to have changed the model a lot in order to cope with the price of beer and the price of energy it, and loads of other things that seem incidental but are really you know the all you know CO2 blah 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 everything I just don't think it would have been the same pub so would it have been worth it I don't know so I'm glad we did it when we did it and we did everything we could to do the business that we actually set out the plan for um but potentially on the you know in a less depressing answer an alternative if we hadn't if we had waited for the pandemic to be over so say it had happened and this we're in the same position we would have at least had the opportunity to rewrite our plan in order to make it more resilient with the you know the financial issues that are happening in the country and we would know what we would kind of have a better idea of what the very worst could to happen could be yeah i do feel like a bit of a debbie downer but it's like you i don't think anyone really realizes just how how poorly we were with stress and exhaustion towards the end of end of it you know we're still overcoming that now and that's what every independent bar owner is going through right now because it's just you're not even treading water like you're underneath the surface you're just catching air every now and again like and that's enough to tide you through to the next week but that's only by not paying a few bills mm -hmm. and that feels terrible to not be able to pay things straight away that doesn't feel good because especially if you're running somewhere where you you know the breweries and you know the wine suppliers and you you know the cheese guys Absolutely. down the road and all yeah. the rest of it everyone's struggling and you want to support each other but you can't pass around the same fiver and expect growth to happen it just yeah it's hard and we've been just trying to sort of straighten out now like it's closed and as really sad as that is it's like we did it not only because we couldn't go anymore, but because we physically couldn't go anymore. We've needed this time to recover and we're doing a lot better now and we're doing different things and I'm back into writing and I'm happy about that. And let's see where we are in a year. I'll ask you one more question <laughs> on these lines. And if you don't want to answer it, just ignore okay. it. Uh, but what's that moment like when you realise we're going to have to close. It was really shit. <laughs> it was just really, really yeah. shit. Um, we kind of knew for a while, but we just were like, in fact, we've been, 
as transparent as he could be with our with Leanne, who was our employee, um, bar manager. She, um, we've been as transparent as possible, so we've been like, look, things aren't going as amazingly as they could. Um, this is how long we expect to be able to last for, because we didn't want to leave her in the lurch. You know, mm -hmm. we've all been. I think. Well, I would hope not everyone has, but I've definitely been in hospitality where it's been like, oh, tomorrow I haven't got a job. Um, because it's an industry that everyone uses and loves, but it's also one of the worst places to work because you've got no structure, you've got no reliability. When we finally decided, yeah, this is it, we went to... So my answer to everything, if I'm really sad, is egg and chips, <laughs> believe it or not. Absolutely. <laughs> We went to a local cafe and I got egg and chips and we wrote out our note that we put out on Instagram on my notes app on my phone while we were in the cafe. And the same day, that's when we announced it. So it happened quite quickly once we decided because we really didn't want to do it. So it's not like it had been thought out for a while. It was just like, let's just see, let's just see. But you'd have like a really good week and then all of that would go the next week when you had a bad week. So we just couldn't do that anymore. Is the door shut on a hospitality venue for you guys? Or do you think you could go again if if the situation was right? I think I'd need quite a lot of time. It's almost like a grieving process. But I think also, if I ever did it again, I'd want to be managerial, but not front of house. Um, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a lifer. It turns out I'm too. I can't. I get too tired. I'm not a Barbara Windsor. I'm not. <laughs> no, I can't do Peggy. For I would have hoped. I would have liked to. You know, be seventy with a beehive and yelling at folk like that's the dream. <laughs> but yeah, it turns out I need quite a lot of sleep and I need to drink a lot less. So um, if I ever did it, yeah, I'd want to put ideas out there and then have amazing people do those ideas who are full of boundless energy and are a lot nicer to people when they're in a bad mood than I am. <laughs> <Be good>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why, that's why I could never do it. Because <laughs> no one had come to my bar. At Christmas time, you just ban people from coming because the world... You're not normally here. Was... Get out. <laughs> Once a year. Oh, we're all going to spend at least 20 quid each. No. Get yeah. out. Yeah, you're in a single file queue. I am not having that. I'm, <laughs> I'm hungry, and therefore you're not coming in my bar. <laughs> There's plenty of pubs that are like that that people enjoy because of that reason. I'm sure it would work. I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could, I could be one of those who's got like one star trip advisor reviews where everybody comes. People anyway. go on purpose. Yeah. Well, I was at yeah. a pub. I was in Rye recently, um, and I went to a pub called the Water Wheel. Um, and the guy who runs it is a real character. Like everyone in there is, you know, chatting to each other. One of those great pubs where no one really knows each other because there's quite a lot of tourists in Rye, but also maybe there's a couple of regulars, but everyone's chatting, you know, um, sandwiches in cling film on the bar and all the best things about pubs. They had it. But there was a guy sat at a table and he had like a little glass and then it was empty and he was sat there for a couple of minutes and uh me and Tom were just stood waiting for a table. We didn't want to get this guy out of his seat. 
because we were like, maybe he wants another drink, you know, that'd be really rude. And the guy who runs the bar just went over to the guy and went, you're having another? He went, no, and he went, right, well, get out then. <laughs> we were like, you can't do that. And he said, well, he's not paying he's not paying me any money and you are, so I was like, bloody hell. But, you know, people love him, so maybe I should have been more like that. Maybe we'd still be open. <laughs> Katie, it was obviously uh, a really tough time for, for for you and Tom. Um, we we can get that from just the way that you you, you was talking about it there. But um, like to try and put a positive spin on things, and and I think from what you were saying, it's allowed you to kind of have a bit of a think about your lives and what's important to you and what you yeah. should and shouldn't focus on. And also it's allowed you to kind of refocus on on, on the writing and being involved yeah. in, in, in that side of things. So is is yeah. there anything that you've got in your little notepad there that you're particularly excited about or any commissions that you've come coming up for Pellicle that you're, you're you're really excited to release? Not asking for for the details, but is have you got that one little nugget that's in there that you're so mm -hmm. excited about that you literally can't wait to to release it to the world? I've got a couple of pieces um, for Pellicle coming up in the new year um, that I'm looking forward to writing, but one of them is ready to go. Um, I don't know when it's going to be published, but it's about tour side. I'm excited. <gasps> yeah. oh, 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 my word. Um, so I've been working on this. I don't this. remember being interviewed for this. Well, never mind. <laughs> so I've... Um, I didn't make it easy on myself um, and I've had it in my pocket since about March um, and I wanted to do, I wasn't sure how to write the article and I've ended up going a lot shorter and a lot more creative writing-y. So we'll see how it comes back from the editor. I've heard they're a real monster. It's Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> You, you mentioned earlier that you've uh, left Twitter. So where where do people find you uh, these days and, and and find your work? Just just so our listeners can 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 follow and sign up to you. So if you crawl up Pendle Hill and then go to the left, it's like a little opening in the rock. <laughs> <laughs> Leave a little. <laughs> um, so basically, um, I use Instagram, um, and that is Katie Mather. KM, that's my handle on that. Um, and I've got my newsletter. And is that it? I have got a threads, but no one really uses it. So I post my new work on there, but I don't really get anything back from it. Katie, that that's great. So what what we'll do is we'll we'll put a link in the show notes to to where people can follow you on Instagram and where they can sign up to your newsletter. It's been great chatting to you. It, it really has. You've you, you've been um, really open and honest and quite raw as as well in terms of some of the things you've said and and we do appreciate that and i know our listeners will and i just um from from bottom of my heart and i'm, I'm sure from everybody else uh, i wish you the best of luck in in, in the future thank so and um much. thank you for coming on and chatting to us thank you cheers, yeah. cheers. thank Katie. you Katie. thank you now chaps i think you'll both agree that uh, that was a wonderful interview with, with Katie tonight. It was raw, it was honest, and it was delightful. And we could have gone on for many, many hours talking to Katie uh, uh, about the various subjects that we were chatting about there. 
and and anything that that you'd like to add at this point i think kate is a bit like we were just talking about in the reverberations discussion just before the interview that um that there's somebody who's just has always enjoyed what they enjoy and hasn't been afraid to show it you know and, and has been mm-hmm. around the industry so fits in perfectly another person who could be the fourth host of this podcast yeah and everything katie writes you, you you don't need to see a name above it you read that and you know it's her uh, absolutely yeah and as, as we said in the interview there's there's links in the show notes to where you can find katie's work and as always, there will be a longer version of that interview available for our Patreon supporters. You can sign up for just £1 a month on the link in the show notes. Thanks uh, once again to all of those people that do support us via Patreon. It does help the the, the, the podcast in the production. Really does. For our final beers this month, what have we all got in our glasses? Rob, what have you found in the back of the cupboard, fridge, shopping bag, car, wh- wherever you found it? Again, I've got one of the um, Indie Rabble collaborations, and this one's with Yonder, and it's the Passion Fruit Margarita Passion Fruit and Lime Tropical Sour, 4% ABV. Uh, This one, perhaps, was one that I was not as excited about. It's the one I had last, I'll be honest. Uh, I I maybe gave mine away. (laughs) I mean, all the words in the title of that beer aren't Mm. me. At all. Well, I'll let Rob say what he thinks about it first before I jump in. Sir, but... you know what? It's 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 really refreshing. In fairness, it's it's kind of a beer that I thought you know what I'll enjoy that. But the other ones that I had in the fridge when there's um, the West Coast IPA and there was an Imperial Stout and the other styles, perhaps I was just a bit more excited to try than this, but. It's it's a good beer. And I, lo- I like the stuff that, that, that Yonder brew. So, yeah. It's got passion yeah. fruit in it. I've had that in a few yogurts in my What's time. What's the percentage, Rob? 4%. Yeah, I felt it really... I, I felt it delivered, if you like, sours. Mm. I thought it, it was full of flavour and did everything it promised. Um, it was quite the, thick, wasn't it, Rick? Uh, yeah, it, the, um, the mouthfeel of it's pretty good, actually. It is... Very fruit juicy. It's the sort of thing that perhaps if you meet someone who's saying, oh, I don't like beer, but then they enjoy fruity flavours, they like um, they like something a bit sour. Yeah, I'd definitely recommend that to, to someone like that. It's a good beer. It's not one that I'd jump to go for. But, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy the rest of this. Excellent. And that's got a good body to it, actually, compared to some of the similar sort of kettle soured things. Is it kettle soured? I don't know. Yeah, full-bodied smoothie based of mango and guava puree. What? There's extra fruits in it now. Okay. So all of your five a day, right there yeah. in, in one can. I mean... I assume that they all just taste the same as passion fruit. To be honest, I've only had them in yogurts. So, what are you drinking, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> well, inspired by your recent outings, I have gone for a seven hundred and fifty mil 
of a I didn't want it to be too strong because obviously Steve got me a strong beer to start off with. So even though it's a 750, it's a 5.6% and it's from Wasted Degrees Brewery and it's their porter. Now, I bought this in 2017 in a, well, it was in Leaf. It was a outdoor market. Um, it was like a quite a small sort of farmer's market kind of thing with only about 12 stalls. Just outside, I'm going to slaughter the pronunciation of this pub, but it's called Chukta's or Chukta's Landing um, in Leaf, right near the Royal Yacht Britannia, where we we just been for a tour. We went to Chukta's Landing for a couple of pints of Yarl, came out, and there was this, like I say, little market stall going on. I had a wander around, and there was this guy from Wasted Degrees Brewery um, just stood there. So we had a chat with him. I remember the name Wasted Degrees comes from the fact they were friends from university that had set it up. So they had wasted their degrees and turned to brewing instead. And so I picked up a bottle of this, obviously, brought it home, and... Just when something's in a seven fifty, even though it's just just a porter and it's just five point six, you know when you just that, you know even though that, that's less than two cans these days, it just never appealed to me because I never thought I want seven hundred and fifty milliliters of a beer. Um, and then as time went on, I thought it looks very homebrewish by the label, and that I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to homebrewers. Um, but I just thought that's going to be bad now. The best before date is 2018. So it just never appealed to me. Anyway, I did look up Wasted Degrees and they are still going. And they are somewhere near the Cairngorms National Park as well. So to bring it full circle for the show. And the main point is the beer is actually held up pretty well. Now, the problem is I have no comparison to what it was supposed to taste like in the first place. But this is still relatively um, chewy, a little bit... I mean, it's a little bit metallic, but in that sort of guinness way, I suppose, the, the way that Guinness is slightly metallic, there's something <laughs> a bit irony about it that's actually quite pleasant. Whether that's supposed to be there, obviously, after six years in the bottle, um, but it's it's holding up reasonably well. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to get through 750 milliliters of it tonight, but I it could have been a disaster like some of my choices are from the back of the cell. This one never spent any time in my moldy cellar, of course. It's too young at six years for that, uh, but it's held up pretty well, so. I'm uh, I'm glad I've gone for this, and I'm also not going to end up absolutely slaughtered. So <laughs> that, that's the story behind my final beer. What have you gone for, Steve? Well, it's the last show of the year, and I'm a stickler for tradition. So I've got oh. <laughs> I've got <laughs> last year's Fuller's Vintage <laughs> that has been sat in the cupboard for a year waiting for its moment to 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 shine 
and it's uh, as always with with Fuller's Vintage, it, it it doesn't disappoint. It's um, it's got all the characteristics of when I checked it in fresh last year. In, Did you in, enjoy in this one, of, Young? Remind me. Uh, not as much as some of the previous ones, Young. So I gave it gave it four stars on Untapped. So I must have enjoyed it. Um, a fruitcake and orange zest on the nose. Wonderful fresh citrus notes, easy finish, and and I'd say for the large part, most of that's still there. I think if anything more that's that, that's coming through it, and that those that, that that drink Fuller's beers on a regular basis will will, will understand what I'm about to say here. Fuller's Fuller's yeast or the malt or whatever it is that Fuller's do always has this marmalade character to it, and and that's come through a lot stronger uh, a, a year on with with this. It's uh, it's a delicious beer. Um, I am, you know, I'm an absolute sucker for the Fuller's Vintage. Everybody knows I love Fuller's Vintage. Um, I've, I've not tried this year's iteration yet, but I'm very much excited to to do so because I've already heard very good things about it. Um, I've seen everybody's arriving, so I did wonder when you'd get round to yours. Yeah, yeah. Mine, mine, mine tends to, uh, I, I obviously don't order from the Fuller's website. I wait until... Emma tells me that they have it in stock at Waitrose and and then I ask her to bring home the first box of it that's supposed to go on the shelf before anybody else gets a chance to get their hands on it. So um, <laughs> I always get a proud a, tradition, a proud tradition in, in, mm. indeed. But yeah, Fuller's Vintage, it's, it's, it's a great beer and, and, and I'm really I'm really enjoying this and I'm going to enjoy it through until the end of the show. All righty then. So uh, while we are finishing our last beers this month. It's time for a little bit of any other business. It's the end of this belonging show, my friend. And we've got a couple of things to discuss this month. So firstly, uh, based on, um, I think it was a tweet from Andy Parker, who was talking about the death of the 8.5 to 9.5% ABV category in terms of the new duty rates. Uh, I think there was a suggestion that it's still relatively cost-effective to brew below 8.5, and also you can um, appreciate the margins above 9.5, but at that 1% between 8.5 and 9.5, you're losing money on producing beer. And and that that, that was quite interesting, certainly in light of the uh recent government announcement in terms of the apparent freeze on 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 duty um and it was just something that we thought we should probably talk about uh, at the end of the show well I, I, obviously it's when quite an open um brewer like andy starts saying things like that and but he breaks it down into simpler terms but and we 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 knew that some a few people had said that anything over eight point four is going to be hit massively hard, and the expenses basically just going to not make it worth it. You know, it'll be the death of the stronger version of the double IPA or the the triple IPA. And I suppose as consumers, you just kind of like, yeah, 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 just thinking they'll somehow figure something out. So when you actually finally see a brewer of such esteem just go no seriously there's going to be no point going over 8.4 and i think he actually said 
um maybe a 12 12% beer would be worth it um it just sort of like it, it hits home this thing that i suppose i suppose it's a bit ahead in the sand thing as a consumer you're just kind of thinking oh, i just i hope that's not i hope that's not true so i just pretend that it isn't but it it is and if you like beers are in that range or some of the beers that we've previously enjoyed, like the Double Oregon Trail, what, what's the, what is Double Oregon? Is it about 9% or? I, I want to say 8.5. Well, we certainly enjoy plenty of beers within that sort of remit that are potentially, they're either not going to be made or they're going to be a, a, a great deal more expensive if we do want to enjoy them again. Um, and I suppose it just sort of it it brought it home a little bit to me, and then subsequently the tweets about some of the beers that are being reduced in strength as well to come under the three point four percent remit as well. Yeah, because was it wasn't there? I think it was. Um, I think it was Paul, you and RCD listener listener of the show was. Uh, did he did not say that pint had been reduced? Yeah, pint has been reduced. Yeah, and and that pints. that one completely passed me by. Yeah, and I realised again that I'd I think I'd seen a tweet about that a few weeks ago, and again just been like, nah, that can't be true. So I just kept on scrolling. But by all accounts, um, now I did have pint very recently, and it was tasting absolutely superb. But I didn't check the pump clip because I don't know if I was getting some new version or not. Whether that is something that has come into effect. But that is isn't that something though that if if they've changed the if they've changed the ABV but they're still delivering the flavour that you expect is 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 that okay? Oh, hundred percent. I, I don't fine, care. Right? Yeah, yeah, because it means I can drink more of them, right? I think. Now that I have a, a bigger understanding about, but like when when things used to change, it used to annoy me that they would completely change the recipe and keep the same name. Um, when it was technically a completely different beer, the one that always rings true for me is Beaver Town's Bloody L. Bloody back L, in the yeah, day. yeah, seven point two it, down to five percent, completely different beer. Different beer. Com- yeah. It's a completely different beer, and I remember mm. discussing it at the time and being furious about it. It's just, it's just, it's just a different beer. Whereas I think if was pint three six before three three six three seven. Yeah, I mean, I've made up that way. Yeah, I think you're allowed a. 0.3% swing anyway because it's you can't completely guess the accuracy of a percentage which is why beers are allowed to call themselves 6.66% when they could be 6.3 they could be 6.9 but as long as they're within the remit and breweries can call them because no breweries accurately making a beer that's 6.66%, this is how it, it works. So in but, some ways, Pint might just have not changed recipe at all and just be playing on that and just being like, well, it still falls within the uh, parameters, so let's just put 3.4% on the label. I'm not saying that they have, by the way. I'm just saying that this is some of the things. Because is it not... Um, 
did it not, before all this was going on, it wasn't a couple of years ago that it came out that things like oh, Carling, Carling yeah. and Carlsberg have always been much lower in strength. But because they're allowed to say, because of the percentage swing, they've always placed themselves at that higher percentage, but always brew them to the lower one. Yeah, I think I think Carling actually they had they got in trouble because they had gone down below that threshold. So they actually actually had to change. Yeah, the yeah that, that sounds true. That might be why it hit the news. Mm. Um, so Pike might just be playing in, into that, and I'm I'm absolutely okay with it. Um, I, I don't as, worry as, as long as long as it's still tasty beer at the end of the day. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I'm interested in. Like it's it's different when something drops down from seven point two to five percent. Then from three point six or seven down to three point three or four, and and what about the 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 other side to this this conversation in terms of the recent announcement on the duty freeze, um, which isn't actually a freeze, and nobody's well, actually saving we're, any money every, on it, are they? Everything's going to be free p cheaper now, apparently. Apparently so. Um, <laughs> which is absolute nonsense. No, no, because it's a freeze based on proposed increases in costs. So actually, all you're doing is not increasing those costs. So nobody's saving any money, really. Yep, it's just uh, more more lies, really. <laughs> no surprises there. So, the, so the other thing to mention this month is that um, our Christmas show is coming. Uh, last year we didn't announce this; we dropped it as a bit of a. Uh, as a bit of a surprise um but this year there is a christmas show coming it will be out two weeks after this show if we can get our shit together to all be <laughs> in the same place and time to record it yeah we can um, do it um and as as much as last year's was it will be uh we're going to enjoy some christmas themed styled beers that we've selected and sent each other um, and we're going to look back over the year that was in terms of some of the highlights and some of the things that we've enjoyed. So we would love to hear from you, our listeners, in terms of the things that you've enjoyed as well. So use the speak pipe feature. Send us um, speak pipes about your favourite beers, festivals, events, pubs, bars, people or highlights of the year or anything else you'd like to send to us that is about the year just gone in terms of beer get involved send us a speak pipe you know where the link is um and we would very much appreciate your views and to share some of those on the next show so that we can we can talk about those as well yeah and if you have strong feelings about whether die hard is a christmas film or not we'll definitely want to hear from you on that well i was going to say i'm <laughs> i might i might be following up a second uh tedious christmas mm. tradition poll for us to discuss in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that. Oh, I'm very <laughs> excited about this. I am very excited about this. I love the Christmas show. I love a Christmas show. I really <laughs> do. Yeah. I, I absolutely love a Christmas show and I can't wait to to, to do it. Well, it's, it's coming, guys. It's get, those jingle, yeah. get those jingles behind the route corner thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, no, yes, I, I was going to... 
Oh, I was going to no. say, I don't, I don't think there's a Christmas smoke beer. That's there isn't a Christmas smoke beer, no. Mm-hmm. no. I've, otherwise, I've looked. <laughs> other, otherwise, those jingles would have worked really well behind that smoke, that route corner intro. They really would have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, absolutely. So that brings us to the end of this month's episode. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Beer Clock Show for all of the latest updates on the show and what I'm up to. Mark, where can people find you? Uh, they can still find me on Twitter at Mark N. Johnson. Uh, beercompagation.co.uk and by the time this goes out I'm hoping to have got my own sub stack sorted which I'm in the process of which will be will be Mark Johnson beer and if I've not got it sorted by the time this goes out then give me a metaphorical slap on the wrist (laughs) (laughs) okay Rob where can this just find you and I can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram, Rob underscore Edwards90. And I do have a Substack, actually. <laughs> so that, that, that might happen at some point. But for now, just Rob underscore Edwards90. And just a reminder that if you do listen to us on Spotify, you'll see there's a question about this month's show that you can respond to. That's only on, uh, which I found out today, that's only on the phone version of 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 spotify so it's only on the app you can't do it on the spotify website so last month's question was only answered by one person thank you very much ian map who i'm assuming assuming is probably yeah getting involved on spotify as well thank you so much ian um there are questions up there every month and you can get involved this month's question will obviously be in relation to something that's been in this show so you can answer that question then you can see everybody else's responses on there as well so please get involved in, in in that medium we're trying to find as many ways as possible for you to get involved in what we do here Thank you very much for joining us for another episode of Belonging. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we look forward to hearing your thoughts on the things that we've been chatting about. Cheers. Slanjava. Cheers, guys. Oh, yes, this, this will be going out after we've been to Liverpool, of course. So. Oh, yeah. So it was good to see you all anyway. Cheers, guys. Yeah, yeah thanks for coming. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hope you enjoyed uh, Except for that places one that we visited. <laughs> yeah. I, I really liked that one place. And spoiler, her and Bates will be coming on a show in 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 twenty twenty four because we got chatting to her about potentially coming on uh, to talk to us about the business mm-hmm. and running. We've ever done a spoiler before? I know, I know. Wow. But what, what you know? Let's 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 tease some of what's coming up. It's like an um, end credits scene. I, I know, <laughs> I, I, I know. I'm um, excited so, for that.